Hello and welcome to Harbour Voices, a series of true story podcasts showcasing and celebrating the lives of people who call the harbour area of Aberdeen home. We'll be digging deep into the life and lives around the harbour area of Aberdeen. We'll be giving voice to some of the many stories of harbour life from those who live and work in and around its waters. Hi Campbell, thank you very much for joining us on the Harbour Voices podcast. Yes, hello there. Thanks for having me. Uh, my name's Campbell Scott, and uh, I've got the surf school in the beachfront, Scott Surf. So, surfing and paddleboard lessons down at Aberdeen Beach. It's basically where one of the best surf breaks is at Aberdeen, and it's also a fantastic place for wildlife in the area. I started university many moons ago, and friends got me into surfing. My biggest sport around then was rugby, and I played rugby for a long time throughout my life. And surfing was kind of a a sideline at that point. And then I was lecturing at University of Aberdeen for 10 years. I was at Robert Gordon's University lecturing for two years and decided in 2017 to have a, it was a what if. And it was because my friends in March, so they bought me a longboard imported from the States. And my very first wave was the bank holiday. First time I used it was the May Day bank holiday after my birthday in March. And I remember I took my first wave, I paddled back out, I was on my own and out of nowhere said I'm going to hand my notice in tomorrow. And that was it, I walked into work on the Tuesday, handed my notice in, the what if was setting up a surf school. It's very bizarre being down the beachfront, so if I'm with my family at any point, they never really get to speak to me. It's, uh, I do a, a morning podcast, or I do a morning uh, video on my social medias at half six, and it lets people know what the waves are like with a live input, and I, I didn't realize how busy it was with not just surfers, but people that walk dogs to know what the weather's like, motorcyclists to know if they're gonna be taking their bike to work. So it's been quite bizarre. You're kind of, you're spoken to a lot by people, they know who you are, and you kind of don't know, but you do know who they are. The trailer is busy and the vibe around there is, is quite nice. Yeah, someone said you're the David Hasselhoff of fitting. <laughs> <laughs> couple of, I suppose a couple of instances in the sea, a few this year that, yeah, you've gone and had to pull people out, but I never really discuss it. I'd, I don't want to be checked like that. I've been picked up by text messages from people saying, oh, I've seen you've done a rescue, Mr. Hasselhoff. I'm like, yeah, yeah, thanks. What kind of people are you finding that come to Scott Surf? Is it all ages? All ages, without a doubt. So there's a young lad who's surfing. <clears throat> he's surfing this weekend, weekend, actually, in a competition in Fraserburgh for the juniors. And he started surfing in Aberdeen with me. His mum and dad now surf because they started with me. He's got two younger brothers who now surf. And it's just there's five of them. You can imagine five of them trying to transport all their gear down to the beach. It's quite a, a feat. So, uh, and yeah, so that age, and I've had, I think an 89 year old has been out three times with me surfing. Once people get that feeling and they've caught their first wave, it is, uh, it's addictive. It's absolutely addictive. It, age isn't a barrier then to, I mean, no. you think the North Sea is freezing cold, but you're getting all these age groups. And yep. I have to say, I have seen your morning uh, broadcasts and it's stunning. You just see the, the, the sky change from like orange to red yep. to, to then daylight, I suppose. And it's just absolutely stunning. The harbour itself, I've probably witnessed some pretty cool things with some dolphins. The one thing is with the dolphins, you never try and want to chase them and go and say, the dolphins are there, I'm going to get there as soon as possible. They come and find you. It's uh, it's quite bizarre. I've been paddling with a dolphin under my paddleboard. It first of all was lying at the side, looking at me with its eye right next to me. And then it went under my board and just stayed with me for about 150 meters and just cruised along. So I've had moments like that that are that are pretty cool. Has there been any moments where you kind of get a bit scared yourself? or? Gone out in 50 mile an hour cross shore winds 
um, testing myself out and another surfer jumped in with me who's experienced the two of us got some waves together um, and then unfortunately that was a night I had to do a, not unfortunately but I had to do a rescue that night because a, an intermediate surfer jumped in the water and it's knowing how you get into those situations that's really important and if you don't follow that correct way of doing it you can get yourself in trouble we've got the groins 150 meters apart the whole way down the beach and uh depending which way the swell's coming from so a northeasterly you want to go out on the south side of the groin as opposed to going out on the north side of the groin because you get swept over them so there's yeah. things that we know as surfers and we use as surfers to get us out into the back pretty quickly. You used the language of uh, a groin in a swell, and I have to say, I don't know what either of those means. So just so the groins are the, well, the groins are the wooden structures the whole way along the beachfront you see going out towards the sea. So they're the wooden, they're put there to kind of stop coastal erosion, scarification of the beach, so sand getting drifted out by waves or storms. And then the swell is basically waves coming in. So the size of swell is, as it gets bigger and bigger, you've just got, that's known as a swell. When you see waves coming in, that's a swell. And you can see the swell out to sea. It's almost like lines in front of you that you can see. What do you feel like might be the future of the harbour? It's a good vibe just now. Do you see that continuing? Would you like to see it expand or do you, is it too big? Or what kind of thoughts might you have there? The harbour is fantastic the way it runs. The Far Harbour and Nig Bay, I kind of have a I gripe with it because it was one of the best surf spots in the northeast of Scotland and it's gone permanently. So we didn't like that happening. That's over at Torrey, there's a, a full harbour in place for cruise ships and oh, wow. uh, it was one of the best surf spots in Scotland. Mm -hmm. It broke on slab, it broke in a certain underneath texture that made the wave fantastic and that's now gone permanently. Um, things in the harbour that I would love to see happen and I've spoken to a couple of people in VTS, the harbour master tower about it, would be wait for it. This is where I'll get grief. Was uh, it'd be a foot passenger ferry going from uh, Greyhawk Bay or Torrey, basically across the Fitty, and you join that, you connect that together. An electric foot ferry that would be taking ten people just forwards and backwards whenever you could. I would love to see that. I've been trying to push that. I've spoken to many people about it. And I'd mm. like to know how much further that could be investigated. Yeah, because it'd be good to join them up. It used to be joined up in the 1930s, and then I think there was an incident of two deaths, and they stopped it. And you live in Fitty. How long have you lived in Fitty? And what's it like living in Fitty? So coming up for two years now. So, and I've known Fitty forever since I've been here. An interesting place to move into. I was aware of the tourism that comes in here and it doesn't bother me. It's, uh, there's times that I'm hoping, like some of my neighbours, they've, they've been sitting having their breakfast and five tourists in a row as a group have walked into their house while they've been having their breakfast. And only the last person realised, do you actually live here? And they're like, yes, and now there's a mass panic that everyone got out. It happens almost weekly, if not daily. Someone will walk into your house. What do you feel would be the, the future for your, your surfing school? What would you like to see? I'd love to see it um, grow towards schools and education. It started, I had a fantastic feedback from a parent from one of my summer camps that she turned around and said, I need to give you feedback for, for your summer camp. It always worries you when you hear that. And she turned around and said, I've just got to let you know your summer camp saved someone's life. And I was like, wow, okay. And she said, we were having dinner. And I was like, this is not how I was expecting this to go. And someone was choking at the dinner, one of the relatives, and they didn't know what to do to the point that it was, it was uh, hypoxia kicking in. So they properly choked. Mm -hmm. And uh, they all had a panic. And the wee girl that had been in my summer beach camp, she came running through and said, Campbell says, do this. Watched her in the back three times and 
that was it. And to get that into schools and into education to be part of the curriculum, we're one of 10 cities in the UK with a beachfront. We've got an active surf rescue club that's got five and maybe 11 members in it now. They used to have 50 or 60. And there's no real safety down the beach. So it's teaching and educating people what to do at the sea and how it works. And that's what I do with the beach camps. It's educating, but it's also giving the people that smile on their face when they've caught that first wave. That's just, that never gets old. Just it's one of the sports that no one understands that can completely clear your head. Mental health issues, anything you've got going on and you're thinking about, it's unbelievable. It's one of the best releases you'll get. There's no place in the world, well, there's limited places in the world. I can surf in the morning and I could snowboard an hour later in the, in the afternoon. Yeah, I was, that was one of my questions. Is there the best time to try and catch a wave? Is there a good period in time? Like, is it wind, winter, summer, spring? Like, is there a good or, or morning or evening? Like, yeah, I mean, so it's different each day, um, but it's certainly the warmest water you're looking at is in September. We got up to 16, nearly 17 this year in September. Um, and uh, now we'll start to slowly drop down. The waves are now starting to form. They'll go right the way through until about April, May. Then you get some rogue sweat, uh, rogue swells throughout the summertime. Um, we've had a couple of summers where we've had a long period of no waves, not even teachable waves. So that's Lake Placid out there, which no one think in the North Sea that could happen. It does. So we have times when there's, there's no waves, but certainly through the winter, we're getting the best swell. So I'll surf and I teach when it's raining, when it's snowing, when there's hail, when there's ice coming out the river, because you're fully kitted up in the wetsuits. And so many people are surprised. The thing that gets people cold in the water, I mean, I'll do a three and a half to four hour winter surf session when it's really good surf. And it's the food system, food in my system that's not allowing me to stay warm or my energy depletes when I'm out there. So it's, that's the part of it. Nutrition's a huge part of it. Yes, so, so what kind of thing do you have to, is there a special diet you have to follow then? Or is it just like making sure when you eat rather than what you eat or? Yeah, when you eat, you want to eat, I mean, your energy foods, pasta, rice, all the sorts of good things and protein certainly as well to recover afterwards. But if you if you don't have it, you can see in the lesson, lesson when people get to about an hour and 15 minutes in the lesson and they haven't properly had some food, you'll see them suddenly start to just get frustrated, get tired quickly. And I can pick that up straight away. And I'm like, when did you last eat? And it's, they're like, oh, I didn't have, I mean, I had a little bit of breakfast or not much breakfast this morning or no breakfast. You're like, okay, you need to think about this. So I had a really good session with the high performance athletes from uh, the university in the sports village. One of them was a sprinter who was seriously good at their sport, um, high level sprinter, lasted 15 minutes in the surf. They said, I can't believe I am this tired for being an athlete. And I was like, well, this is why we did it as a crossover. Part of my last jobs were strength conditioning and sports science. And to see those athletes be hit by what surfing is, it's quite incredible to know how much of the energy or your your system it actually uses. And thank you so much for appearing on our podcast. Really appreciate it. And thank you again. And we'll be providing links to your, your surf school and everything as well in our post. So thank you nice so one. much. Thank you for having me. Thank you. This podcast has been produced by Open Road, a company that champions true life stories and histories. Harbour Voices has been supported by the Year of Scottish Stories 2022 Community Stories Fund. This fund has been delivered in partnership between Visit Scotland and Museums Gallery Scotland with support from the National Lottery Heritage Fund. It's also been supported by Creative Scotland's Culture Collective Fund. Thank you to all our funders. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please share and spread the word.